0: and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. As we look at this study today, when we think about providence, okay, it has to do with God's foresight, what He he knows will happen, His forethought, His care, and His governing and care for His creation... That's basically, in a nutshell, what providence is. God is caring for the creation that he has made. Therefore, he is a providential God. He cares for that which he has made. What he has made, he cares for. Look in Genesis chapter 1, and verse 26. The Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and... Um, According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth." Here is what you see, verse twenty-nine. And God said, "See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food." Notice the first few lines of verse twenty-nine. God says, "I have given you." God created and he gave to his creation. You and I have been given what we need here on planet earth by virtue of the earth that God has created. Notice, God did not create man first and then create the earth. No, he created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 tells us that. And we go all the way through the chapter of Genesis toward the end and then we find on the sixth day that God created man. He created man after all of his creation, everything that he had made and created was completely finished, restored, brought there, and he gave it to us. And so after all of that, after that, then he brings man on the scene after he has a place for him. And so God, from the very beginning, has always been providing for the man that he has created. I and mean, we could look at it if we wanted to look a little bit deeper. It's not really my point right now. But to look at it, you could see that he put them in a beautiful paradise. He gave them a wonderful place to live. He gave them companionship, fellowship with the animals and with, with, with Adam and Eve together. And so he blessed them in, in tremendous ways. Gave them laws that they should obey. He told them how they ought to live. He just provided for them every single way. And why did he do that? Because he's responsible. If he made it and created it, he is responsible for it. Do you know if you do some certain things on your property and your home, uh, maybe you might do something there that uh, is not wise, and somebody could come onto your property or home and injure themselves or hurt themselves some way, and that person might say, well, and I'm not saying that we ought to just, I think there's a whole lot more suing goes on in America than needs to go on. Somebody might say amen. amen, but somebody might come on and say, I'm just going to sue you, I'm going to sue you, I'm going to sue you. Well, you know what, they would look at it as, were you negligent? In other words, you know what, if it's raining, you didn't cause it to rain, and I slid down because it rained. I can't sue you for sliding down your property and you said, why, because the ground was wet. Well, you didn't make the ground wet. That came from the heavens above, didn't it? But now, on the other hand, if you'd created some kind of obstacle in your uh, yard and, you know, you had a a pit out there that had punji sticks sticking up and you'd covered it with grass and I walked in and stepped on well, yeah, you'd be negligent not putting a fence around that thing, telling me what's going on. All these kind of things go on. Well, well, God is not going to create a world that does not sustain you. He, He would be very negligent if he created a world that does not sustain me. If God made me and created me and put me on planet Earth and planet Earth was not able to give me everything I need in order to be, you know, fed and clothed and sheltered and happy and joyful and living blessed, God wouldn't be a very good God. But that's not the kind of Father God that he is. He is a Father God that takes care. He told us in the New Testament in Timothy, he said that, you know what, if a man doesn't take care of his family, they're worse than an infidel. That's bad. That's what God thinks about it, if you don't take care of your family. And so certainly God is one that will take care of his family. Everybody say, "God God takes care of me. Amen. Let that just sink into your heart, mind, and spirit. Believe it regardless of whatever thoughts the world might bring towards you or any kind of negative things that the demon-inspired devils of hell might bring your way. And so believe, believe what the word of the Lord teaches. Now, the Bible says this in Psalms 115, verse 16. You don't have to turn there. The heaven and, uh, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. God has given the earth to you and given to earth to me. We own this place. Somebody say, I own this place. Say it again. Say, I own this place. This place is mine. This is not the devil's. Now, he is quasi-ruler because some ungodly folks have given him that authority. He's a little god on this earth, Scripture teaches us, but he is not your god. He is not my god. And as, as, as Jesus talked about, the devil has no part nor lot in this matter ain't got nothing to do with it. When we are born again and under the umbrella of Jesus Christ's blood living according to his word, we can live free from the adversary. It is that thought, I don't know, it's been a while since I've mentioned this, but it was that thought that that got me several years ago. It was a number of years ago that uh, in front of or down at what we call the Red light. If you've been in Lawrence, you, you, you know where Walgreens is down at the foot of the hill and uh, down the foot of Cemetery Hill. You know where Cemetery Hill is. Used to snow. We'd get a fair and just slide down. I don't want to do anymore. But anyway, that's where the uh, red light was down there. Next to it was this place called Pete's Number Nine. You remember Pete's Number Nine? Right there, they're not operating now, but it was, a, it was a good place. But I, I drove, drove through there, and uh, it's amazing. They got new red lights. You might see any new red lights down there that they got there? Or, or green lights, you know, caution lights, whatever. But remember how we used to do, we came up to the, to the light, and it always would be green. And you always knew, don't turn left if something's coming. You turn left with caution. Well, I saw the other day that the new red lights they put in uh, work that way. They, they come on green, and the yellow would just be flashing. I said, well, what do you know? They're going back to the way they used to do it. Turn left with caution. Same kind of thing we were doing years ago, but they were. But right over to the corner of that, and Pete, uh, several years ago, there was a precious little lady that was over there, and she was out selling carnation flowers. And so I drove by. I said, hmm, she's selling carnation flowers. What's going on? She had a five-gallon bucket over here and some flowers right there. I stopped. see what it's talking about. And, and as I stopped, to talk to her about that. I said, what's up? I'm selling flowers for, you know. Uh, Unification Church, Sung Mung Moon uh, was uh, the leader at that time. He's he died uh, now, contrary to what they thought, but he, he's dead. And so um, I'm selling flowers for her. I said, wait a minute, wait, hold, hold it, hold it. What are you doing here? Why are you in my town selling this kind of stuff? I'm trying to start a cult right here in the town I own. Amen. Amen. Right. I'm born and raised in this place. And so when I got there, I said, this is my place. I said, if you're going to stay here selling flowers, I'm going to stay here and preach the gospel to you. I started preaching and she started packing. <laughs> she loaded up and was gone. Well, should you be confrontational just to be confrontational? No. No, and I don't do that to everything. But on that particular incident, uh, the Lord just sort of moved my heart to go that direction and I did. But this is my place. Amen. Everybody say, this is, place. This, is place. This, is place. this is my place. This is my place. Why? God gave it to me. So the heaven of heavens, they're, they're God's, but he gave the earth to the hands of man. And so it's up to you to what you do with your place. This is it. Take it serious. God has provided it for you. Now, look with me. Uh, let's just look at a few things. You're in Genesis there. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What gives God the right to have a providential care? And what also gives him the responsibility well, Genesis one one says that he created the heavens and the earth. He's the creator of all this thing. You and I don't have any right to tell God what to do with his creation. He's the one made this place. He's the one created this place. He's the one that set it all in motion. He's the one that you know it's his. He can do with it what he wants to do with it. He can run it like he wants to run it. He is the creator, and as a creator, he has the right to do with it whatsoever he will. And so we, we see that in Genesis 1 and 1. The scripture tells us in Psalms 8, 3. You don't have to turn there. But it said, When I considered your heavens the work of your fingers, God formed and he fashioned and he made. Some things he spoke into existence and the other things that he formed and he fashioned concerning man the same way. You can see that twofold process. tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 as well that it talks about that, how that, that God created and made. created. He created the substance out of nothing and in some things he made out of the substance such as the dirt when he created man. And so he created and he made all this so he's responsible for it he he bears responsibility he's made the thing he set it in fashion he set it in order that we see it here today And, and so he's there now look with me psalms 103 turn there psalms 103 psalms 103 verse 19 psalms 103 verse 19 the scripture says the lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all he is the ruler he is in charge And he is ruling. Hold your thinking as we see this and recognize how that goes. I'm not saying to you today as we look at some things that every bad thing that ever happened on planet Earth from the time of Adam to us is God's fault. No, it's not God's fault. God is in charge, set it in motion. He made free will agents, you and me, free moral agents, us. Gave us the right to choose as he did in the garden. And based on the choices we make with the thing that God gave us, the earth, then the earth comes out like you and I do with it. And so don't blame the bad on God. No, it, it's not his fault. But God's in charge, and he's ruling. How's he ruling? He's ruling and in charge by giving you and I authority on this earth. Now, now there's some things that God does uh, along that fashion uh, that you can see him operate in. And God has, has his will that goes forth, and it's all going to work out just like God said that it would. I, I mean, it's like this. Uh, when, when A.J. was a smaller child and uh, starting to roll rangers, he wanted to go outside and, and start a fire. You know, he might say, okay, this time you can start one. And he goes out and fire. But what do we do when he starts that fire? We look out the window to see how the fire's going. But we gave him the authority to start the fire. But if that fire gets out of control, I ain't letting him burn the house down. And the same way with God, God has given men authority on earth, and the choices we make will tell us how the earth goes. But in the end, it's God going to bring all this to the end and conclusion like he says it's going to be. So, so just keep all that understanding and thinking as we sort of work our way through this. But, but notice Psalms 1319, his kingdom rules over all. God is ruling over all. You don't have to turn there, but Psalms 135.5 tells us this, for I know that the Lord is great and our Lord is above all gods. I know the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 that Satan, little letter God, it talks about the God of this world, little letter God, small God. I mean there's so many people try to rise up and act like they are God or act like they're great. But no, God is God of gods, he rules over all, he's above all the man-made gods and any kind of creation that mankind would come up with their heart and mind and spirit about God. No, God's over all of them. He is over them. He has made. Why? He made, he created the place, he has every right to be over it. Now Scripture tells us, and when we just sort of follow a little bit further, let's sort of break this down a little bit. Because as you get this understanding and see it, it's going to have an impact on you. It's going to bring you to the place say, you know what? I really do believe that God's going to take care of me. I honestly believe that with everything. And you won't have to live your life in fear. Thank, thank God that, uh, what was it, almost a month ago now, the governor of uh, South Carolina, not quite a month, uh, said to our restaurants now, you can go back to 100% capacity. Uh, you can go back to 100% seating, that kind of thing. He took away the mask mandate. You don't have to do it by state law anymore. You don't have to wear a mask anymore. Now, everyone can make your own choices, and you're certainly welcome to wear a mask if you like and certainly welcome to practice all that you'd like. But by state law, the government uh, governor uh, changed all that just early in March of this year. And, and so when we look at that, we see he's in charge of the state. He's made those laws, and that's, that's what goes on there. But as we look here and see what God has done, God's in charge, and he's made certain laws, and we operate under the laws that he's made. But now notice this. Look with me back to Genesis one more time. And notice Genesis one twenty nine, as we just read. God said, See, I've given you every herb. I've given you herbs, and they yield seed. Notice this. These plants, these herbs, they yield seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. He doesn't just give you a tree. Let's say if we have an apple tree. He doesn't just give us an apple tree, and once we get the apples, it's all over. No. There's power in that tree to reproduce the next season. There's also power in the fruit of that tree, the apple, that we can plant that seed, and that seed will produce more trees. And so what God did when he created, think about this, this is just plants and trees and things that we look at here. When he created them and made them, he made them with the ability to reproduce themselves. They continually, continually. I've been cutting some trees down and things like that at my home, and what happened? I cut them down many, many years ago, but they grew back. And you know what? When I cut them down this time, they may grow back again. Wow, there is some power in the earth that causes this place to keep on going. There's power in the earth, and God is taking care of the plants and the trees and the the vegetables, all of that kind of life that is on here when we look at it. The Bible says this in Psalm 65, 9. Listen. It says, you visit the earth and you water it. Why does God water the earth? Well, one reason is so the things that he planted on it will grow. If God created the earth and put plants and trees on it, and if they're going to grow, God's going to have to water them. And so it's his responsibility to water the earth so that the trees and plants that he made will grow. And God sends the rains and causes that. The scripture says, the river of God is full of water. There's more than enough water for planet Earth. What are we about three-fourths water on planet Earth? There's lots of water on planet Earth. And he said, you provide grain for, the, for it, and you have prepared it that way. God is the one that prepared it. He is the one that has made it. He's the one that created it. Listen to this. You water its ridges abundantly. There, there's more than enough. For the plants to live, the trees to grow. He said, You settle in its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. Plants and trees and grass, they grow and they keep on coming back because they are blessed. I know one thing somebody sure did bless some kudzu around here, didn't (laughs) he? Wow, but somebody brought it. What did they do? They took a plant that belonged in another environment in South America and they brought it up here to America and out of its unnatural environment and now it's taken over some places. And so, But it, it, it does what it's supposed to do. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to grow. When it's in good soil and it gets the water and the nutrition they need, it's going to grow. It's part of God's created purpose here on planet. That, that's like this way. There are some people who are sinners who don't love God yet they can work in the laws of health sometimes Better than Christians do. They work in the laws of finance sometimes better than Christians do. Because the same Lord is Lord over all. And the rules and the instructions, the DNA imprint that God put into our world that we live in, it's there and it works. It works every time for everybody if everybody does the same thing the other bodies did that made it work for them. God is no respecter of persons. Listen. Listen. He said, you create the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. I live in a world where there is more than enough. There is more than enough. Everybody say, there's more than enough. There's more than enough. Uncle Sam just borrowed some money here a couple of weeks ago and gave Sheila and I, what, $2,800, I guess it was, sent it to us, and, you know, I'm glad you folks are having children because they're going to be paying it back years from now. I'm not for all that, but anyway, that's what happened, and they borrowed that money and gave it to us and whatever. But you know what? The government ran out of money a long time ago. We are $30 trillion in debt. Not billion, not million. $30 trillion in debt. Ain't nobody talking about how to pay it back. Ain't nobody even thinking about paying it back. But one day it will get paid back. Or the, do- or the opposite of that is the dollar you got today that's worth 28 cents won't be worth that then. It might go on down to a penny or a nickel or a dime or who knows. What did it go down to? But now, God is not like the federal government. God don't run out. He handles his kingdom wisely. And the scripture tells us here that there is an abundance there. Abundance that is there that God has for you. Your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. Amen. Everybody say, I have, I have more than enough. I have more than enough. We have abundance. Verse 12 says, they drop on the pastures, talking about the, the, the pastures of the wilderness, and little hills, and they rejoice on every side. I mean, you know, the hills are alive with a lot more than music, aren't they? I mean, they're alive with life that's going on. The pastures are clothed with flocks, and the valleys also are covered with grain, and they shout for joy, and they're all singing. How many God takes care of the plants and the vegetables? Amen? That's basically what he's talking about. The Bible says this in Psalm 67. Listen, let the people praise you, O God, and let all the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. The earth has an increase. It has the ability to produce. God made it that way. The earth has its increase. And even, even this, God didn't just stop and said, okay, I'm going to create the plants and the vegetables and the flowers and the trees. I'm going to put all of this in, in, into the earth, and I'm going to make sure it gets rained on, I'm going to make sure it's good, good ground, and it's going to be blessed with abundance, and the rivers are going to flow. And it's going to be prosperous. He didn't just stop there. He did something else. Listen to this. Jesus told us this. Consider the lilies of the valley, how they grow. They don't toil or spin. Yet I say unto you, even Solomon, on his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. He dresses them up. God loves beautiful things. Everybody say, God loves beautiful things. Say, God loves me. You must be a beautiful thing, aren't you? Amen. Amen. I'm I'm a beautiful I'm gonna get the name in Sheila Am I beautiful? Yeah. Y'all got it Y'all heard it <laughs> Y'all heard it You know if If God will decorate and give ornamentation unto the vegetable I mean you looked at a flower lately I mean somebody talked about and they talked about maybe they shouldn't have them here in South Carolina anymore but these Bradford pears they're beautiful when they blossom. They're beautiful. It's, it's bad news when the birds sort of hang around the trees and go over here and sort of, and it produces another tree with all the briars on it. That's bad news for sure there and the thorns that's there. But they're beautiful. God's got a beautiful creation. It's, it's Who loves to see after the, after the earth has been through its winter season and God's even doing what he's supposed to do there. And then the springtime comes and color comes back into the earth and brightens up and it's fresh. And it's going be 78 degrees today. I mean, I don't know. 78 degrees and Sheila wore a, a cover and two coats. But anyway, 78 degrees today. A beautiful time. What's happening? God's adorning his earth. He's going to brighten this place up, make it look real good, look real sharp. Bring those flowers out and the trees and the blossoms. I mean, it's a beautiful place. It's God's idea. So with the plants and the vegetables and trees and that kind of kingdom, he didn't just stop by seeing that they're able to grow. He also made them look good. Okay? Even Solomon, with all his money, couldn't look as good as what they do. That's what Jesus said. You ought to always believe Jesus. Somebody say amen. All right. Now, let's go just a little bit further. Look in Psalms 104. Oh, man, this, it, it's, this is all through the Bible. Psalms 104. What about the animals and the beasts and the birds and the fish? What about them? Well, you know, God created them too, didn't he? He made those too. And so if he made them, he's responsible for them. In Psalms 104, verse 10. Turn there again. Psalms 104, verse 10. Scripture says, He sends the springs into the valleys that they flow among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. You say, what's that water running out there for? What's that creek going out there for? What's that pond out there for? What's that river going out there for? How come these streams and these mountain streams where you get that good, cold, fresh water that's running over those stones up in the mountains? What's all that happening for? Well, to give drink to every beast of the field. You don't want the beast of the field to go, go thirsty. You want to make sure they all have something to drink. And the wild donkeys quench their thirst too. See? So he's taking care of the animal creation he's made by giving them water to drink. Well, by them, the birds, the birds of the heavens, have their home. They sing among the branches. Have you ever listened to birds sing? I I love to hear birds sing. When we were younger, uh, much, much younger, we we moved from the city of Watts Mill uh, out into (laughs) uh, the country where we now live. And uh, I couldn't, I, it drove me nuts. Because in the city of Watts Mill, the hustle and bustle of the traffic was taking place there, if you can believe that. But in the city of Watts Mill, at least you know you'd hear cars come by or something like that, or where we lived. Uh, you hear somebody next door shooting somebody else, or somebody cussing somebody out, or, or hollering and screaming, or having a party and playing. You'd always hear something like that going on where I lived anyway. So thank God we got out of there. And, and, and we moved out of there into the country, out of the country, there wasn't nobody cussing. There wasn't anybody out there, you know, screaming and hollering. No cars running by. No motorcycles. Oh, none of that going on. I mean, it was quiet as it could be. I'm laying in the bed trying to get to sleep and can't do it. And then I hear the one sound that that tells me life is going to be different. Outside, I hear this: "Whoop, whoop, whoop o whoop whoop-a-whoop, whoop-a-whoop." a bird comes outside of my window. I oh, God, what's that? What's that? I'm scared now. What's that? I wasn't scared of living in the city, all that other crime and muck and everything going on. But out there, that bird. But, the, you know, birds sing. Yeah. They're happy. Yeah. That bird didn't say, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. <laughs> birds don't sing woe is me for it. I know, do they? No, they, they sing those happy songs. Yeah. I mean, they put it out there. They're happy, just singing a song all day long. They're just out there singing. We buy birds sometimes so they can sing. We get parrots and birds, and we beg it to sing in the cage. Please sing. Please sing when I hear you sing. And they sing. And, well, well, God made them so that they could do that. It's God's business. It's his world that he's created, and he made them so that they could. Uh, The birds make their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. Uh, Verse 18, the hills higher with wild goats, the cliffs a refuge for rock badgers. He appointed the moon for seasons, and the sun knows it's going down. You make darkness at night when all the beasts of the forest creep about. Why does it get night? Well, that lets some of those beasts of the forest come out and do their thing. They don't do their thing in the daytime. They do their things at night, so God gives them darkness so they can or else in the daytime, all the big animals might eat them up. But in the night, they can sort of sneak around, do what they need to do. Verse 21, the young lions roar after their prey, and they seek their food from God. Verse 21, God feeds those animals. God feeds those lions. Amen. I just hope we don't ever feed me to one, but he feeds them. He feeds them. Look at verse 22. When the sun rises, they gather together, and they lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work. So when the sun rises, man goes out to his work and to his labor until evening. There is a time to quit working at the end of the day. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's one reason it gets dark at night and gets daylight in the daytime. And so verse 24, And the Lord said, How manifold are your works and wisdom? You have made them all, and the earth is full of your possessions. God owns everything on this planet earth. He owns you and me, everything. He's made. He's created it all. He's responsible for it. He takes care of the plants and vegetables. And now we see that he takes care of the animals. The birds, the fish. He made them. He's got to. If he's going to be a God of integrity, a God who is responsible, he must take care of that that he has created and that he has made. And he does. He does not let us down at all. The Bible tells in Psalms 104 verse 14, he causes the grass to grow for the cattle. It's exactly what it says, Psalms 104 verse 14. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle. He does it for them. He wants the cattle to have something to eat so that we can eat them. But anyway, really, 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 we'll see it. Really, yeah. <laughs> Psalms 147.7 says, Sing to the Lord for thanksgiving. Sing praise on the harp of our God who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow in the mountains, and he gives to the beasts its food and to the young ravens that cry. Birds and animals. God takes care of them. He, he, it would be irresponsible for him to have made them and not take care of them. And He did make them, and He does take care of them. I mean, you could you could go to a lot of other places. I have way too many to talk about. But Jesus said it like this. He said it as well. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, nor do they gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. God feeds them. He feeds. I've wondered a lot. Where do these animals get something to drink? Where do they get food to eat? I mean, I would last probably about 14 minutes out in the wilderness by myself. But animals live out there for days and weeks and years. They live their whole life. Uh, they find the water. They find the food. Why, God has put it out there for them. He has created it. God is a good God, a very good God. In fact, the Bible even says this as him being a loving God. Jesus said in Matthew 10:29, sparrow doesn't even fall to the ground without your father taking notice. I mean, when I look at this and I see how much God cares for the animal kingdom and how much he cares for the plant kingdom, I mean, I I just see God cares for you and he cares for me. Look what the scripture says. Follow me to Psalms 148. Another group, when we're thinking about all of God's creation, another group of creation I see in the earth, Psalms 148, verse 1. The Bible says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him, his angels. God has created a spirit world and he takes care of the spirit world that he has created. Praise his angels, praise him all his host, all his armies, all his warriors, all his spirit being fighters. Praise for all of them. Verse 3. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him, all the stars of light. Praise him, the heavens of heaven, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. God created the entire spiritual realm. Whenever you know anything about. Some have fallen this day, but God created holy angels. Some holy angels sinned against God and became rebellious, wicked angels. God created God. Good things, and some good things have turned from God and become bad things like demonic spirits. You can look at even the devil himself. The Bible says that he was a cherub that covered in heaven the most holy throne room of Almighty God. Ezekiel chapter 20 and Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, 14. All those talk about God, uh, talk about the devil, how he served and ministered to God. Maybe in the realm of music, as it talks about, pipes were created in him in the day that he was created by God. Yet he turned from God, was lifted up by pride, and wanted to take over the kingdom of God and was cast out of heaven. But yet God created him, didn't create him that way. He made his own choice. But he did create spirit beings, all of them. If he created them, he's responsible for them. And on that light, when you understand that, recognizing this, Job said this. Job talked about the creation of the earth. And, and he gives an account there when Job was complaining to God. And, God, you send me bad dreams at night. You've you done this to me. You made me sick, made me lose all my family, my cattle, my prosperity. is all gone. And now here I am. with boils all over me and this disease I've gotten. God, you're the fault. He's talking to God like that. God finally has enough of it. And, God talk, and Job talking to him. And he says, Job, let me ask you something. You're so smart. You know so much. Where were you when I created the earth? when I set the foundations of the earth in force. Where were you, Job? you so smart. You know so much. Tell me if you know. And a little comment that God includes in there, when he says that, he says to him, when this happened, the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. The spirit beings that were with God in the creation of the heavens and the earth before Job knew anything about what was going on, they were there then. And so they've been, I don't know how long spirit beings, angels have been out there there a long time. God created them whenever, I don't know. But they have been there a very, very, very long time. But God created them and he made them. Some of them rebelled. Let me give you a sad statement, a very true statement, and a very good statement to understand that God takes care of that that he creates. In Matthew 25, verse 41, the Bible says this, Speaking of in the last days, once the uh, the, the rapture's taken place, the tribulation place, the tribulation period of seven years has come to its end, at that conclusion when the Lord is getting ready to return and judges the nations, he, he says this at that point when he gets there. He says, then he will say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. In other words, if we don't know Jesus, Jesus is our only hope. And if we don't know Jesus and have the blood of Jesus applied to our heart for forgiveness us our sin, we're destined for a devil's hell. And I say the devils word devil's hell because that's completely accurate. Because Jesus mentions that same verse, Matthew 25, 41. When he says that, he says that they would be cursed, sent into this hell into everlasting fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. And so what does God do? Well, if God's made this creation, this spiritual creation, and this, the devil and his angels, and they have sinned, then God, being responsible, must make a holding place for them. And so he prepares hell for the devil and his angels to confine them throughout all eternity. Hell wasn't created for you and me. We can go there if we want to follow the devil, because that's where he's going. We can follow him all the way in. but it's not God's purpose, design or will that not anybody. The Bible says in Second Peter chapter three verse nine, God is not slackening promise that some encounter slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Every one of us. Second Timothy two four. God is God who have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. We know what God's will is. It's God's will is for all of us to be saved. But if we choose not to be, the only other place left is where the devil and his crowds going, and that's hell for all eternity. But hell wasn't made for you and I. It was made for the devil and his angels because God's responsible for that creation. And when He made spirit beings, if they're going to rebel against Him, then He's got to, you know, have a place to put them throughout all eternity, and He does. He did that because he even provides even when he has to provide a prison for those spirit beings. He is a great provider. He is a a God of providence. Now, on the other hand, Scripture tells us also in Matthew 22, verse 30, that it talks about in heaven, there are angels in heaven. And it talks about they ask, you know, if they talked about this lady that had been married seven times and all seven husbands had died, and in heaven uh, or in the resurrection is the absolute question that's asked. In the resurrection, who will be her husband? Jesus talked about them. They erred, they didn't know in the scriptures or the power of God. And he says, In heaven, for in the resurrection, they are neither given nor taken to marriage. People who are in the resurrection, are not given and taken in marriage. If you die now and are resurrected and as a believer in Christ, you would be. And resurrected, you would not marry. There is no given or taken in marriage for those in the resurrected spirit. But if uh, for the rest of the creation that goes on, for the God, that when he rebuilds the earth with new heavens new earth, that people, there'll be natural people that'll be for all eternity that God hath redeemed. And the natural folks, they'll, they'll continue to marry here on earth, but, but not in heaven. And he talks about, when he says this, that they are like the angels of God in heaven. So not all of the angels of God rebelled against God. And he's got a place for them, too, in heaven. They get to enjoy the presence and glory of God in heaven. And so God just takes care of, of everything. Everything he's made, everything he's created. Let me ask you something. Why would we even stop to even think for a moment that God won't take care of us? if he takes care of birds and flowers and trees and animals and beasts and fish and spirit beings good and spirit beings bad, if he does all of that, shouldn't he also take care of you and me? I I just believe that he would. In fact, I I can believe that not based on personal opinion, but I can believe that based on the word of God. Because I also know as he created all those things I've just mentioned, he created you and he created me. And by act of of creating you and me, he also becomes responsible for us. Okay? He has responsibilities toward you and for me. When I pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, when I pray our Father, I recognize God is my Father. And I've said this to the Lord many, many hundreds and hundreds of times. When I say, Lord God, you are my Father, God, you're responsible for me. You've got to take care of me. And when I face different issues of life, I, I said to the Lord, you know, I said, God, you know, a couple years ago I broke my arm. I said, God, you got to get this arm well because you responsible for me. I know you don't want me living live the rest of my life with a broken arm, do you? No, God doesn't. So you've got to get my arm well. I know what the doctors and everybody else said, but it doesn't matter, God, you responsible for me. And I lay it off on God. Now, i got my responsibilities too. I have mine too. And we can go on that another time. But what I'm trying to stress you today is, is God's responsible for me. He's responsible for you. What kind of father would a father be if he saw his child living in life and didn't provide for the child? You'd say, what a no-good father that is. Won't give his children the food and clothing and necessities of life. Won't give. My, my. What kind of father? We, we would just lower it than whatever. Well, well don't lower God, because God has already provided for you. He has provided for me. He has made a way for us. And it's a great, just like we've read, he wouldn't give the trees and the plant abundant provision. He wouldn't give them a great supply and then give you just a little bit of dirt, little meager supply. No, he's provided abundantly for you and me as well. Let me give you just a couple of scriptures and I'll begin to shut her down. But let me give you a couple of scriptures that we can look at. Oh, my. Uh, you, you, you can just look at forever. Genesis 9, 3. Every moving thing that lives shall be for food for you, the Bible says. So, you know, as much as we think about you can eat what you want, but vegetarians or, or being a meat eater, the, the meat is there for that purpose. That's what it said in Genesis 9, 3. Well, we could look at uh, Psalms 104, verse 14. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the vegetation for the service of man. For the service of man. And so the plants and everything, the vegetables have is for the service of us. Cattle for the service of us as well. All kind of things like that. We we could look at it. Go on and on. There's other things that we could look at. Scripture even said in Genesis chapter 3 that God killed animals and made clothes and and gave it to man when he got out of the garden. Man discovered that he was uh, naked because of his sin, and God killed an animal and clothed him. There's probably some other things connected to that as well that he did, but he he certainly clothed them there. And so I had one person tell me this one time. I don't know where I I was at, some other city. It wasn't in South Carolina, thank God. But it was in another uh, city, another state, and somebody came and said, you know what, you're putting animals under bondage. I said, what have I done to an animal? They said, you got on a leather belt, don't you? I said, yeah, there it was. I said, what you want me to do, dress like Jethro Bodine? He's put a rope around me? Is that what you want me to do? Now, I I don't believe in cruelty in animals. I love animals. Somebody say amen. Amen. I love animals. I really do. I really, really do. But at the same time, if it was a choice of me living and, and, you know, and starving to death, and that animal's gone, bye-bye to that animal. Bye-bye. But, you know, because you are God's highest creation. I don't even like saying that way because you're so far and above all this other creation. It's not even comparable. But if you want to, you're God's highest creation. The highest. Okay? And so we can look in scripture. We can we can see that um, even even the Bible says this that the animals and the plants God put here to teach us something. Did you know that He put? Listen what the Bible says in Job chapter twelve verse seven. The Bible says, "But now ask the beast." I was talking to our cat just last night. We had an argument. You ever had an argument with a cat? We got a stubborn cat. It's the most stubborn cat I've ever seen. I told Sheila, I said, I told the cat, I said, how come it is all the time you talk to me, but when Sheila's come in, you shut up, you don't talk anymore. It's the most amazing thing. Anyway, I'm arguing a lot with him. But now ask the beast, and they will teach you. You can learn a lot from animals, right? What proverbs say? Consider the ant. What does the ant do? It stores up its food in the good, uh, good season of the year, so when it gets wintertime, it'll have something to eat. So ask the ant if you ought to save. I Man, you're the best. He'll tell you you ought to. Put some things up. Have some things ready to go for difficult times to come. So, so the beast, and the, they teach us. Or speak to the earth, it says in, in Job twelve eight. Speak to the earth and it will teach you. And the fish of the sea will explain to you. You can learn a lot just by observing God's world. This is a vast world that God's made. It's a great world that he's made. It, it, I, there's enough of us there to study it forever. And probably not plumb the depths of God's great creation that he has made. But he told us we could do that. He provides rain, instruction. Don't the Bible say it rains on the just and the unjust? I can give you the scripture, but it rains on the just and the unjust, right? So, God, in other words, He has a universal providence toward all men. going to do certain things for all men to live on planet Earth. On the other hand, He has a specific providence that He has for born again believers. Okay? But, he, but it rains on the just and the unjust. It rains on both. God's done something. That, that, that's why all this stuff, I mean. People talk about, you know, blowing ourselves up and we're going to blow up the world and all this stuff. Well, man ought to be responsible with weapons of warfare and certainly, uh, you know, nuclear weapons and other kind of uh, disease producing weapons like they made in Wuhan, China and and this kind of stuff. You ought to be responsible uh, in all those things for sure. But I'm not worried about the world blowing up today. Because the Bible tells me Jesus has come back to get us. How many believes that? Say amen. Ain't no world blowing up as long as I'm still here. I do that a lot of mornings. If I get up in the mornings real quiet, I look around to see if I can find Sheila. If I can find Sheila, I know the rapture didn't take place. <laughs> no, I find myself, I know that too. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I can look at, a lot more. I, I got, even this, God knows so much about you. He numbers the hair on your head. Somebody said, well, that's not much of a miracle. I know, I know. <laughs> it gets less of a miracle, I know. But he numbers the hair of your very head are numbered. He said you're more valuable than a sparrow. You're worth more. Let's close out with this one place I want everyone else of us to be. Look at Matthew chapter 6. We'll close in that passage. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Why, why don't I go through all of this? Is to lay a foundation for you and I to see how important you are and how valuable you are to God. And that if you know, that God takes care of his world, as he says he does. If you know that God takes care of the plants and the trees and the vegetation, as he does. And if you know that God takes care of the animal kingdom, as he does, the fish and the beasts and the birds. If you know he does, you know he does. And if you know that God even takes care of spirit beings and provides for them, as he does, then never, ever doubt that God also can take care of you. Not can, but does. Now, if we want to you get out of the environment... A number of years ago, there was a hamster at our house that lived in a cage, and if he got out of that cage, uh, that cat told me he was going to get him. But anyway, so as long as he stayed in where he's supposed to stay inside his cage, he could spin his little wheel and walk around in his little grass and do everything, and go in and out of his little house and, you know, put his little feet up there like this and eat when you gave him something. He could do all those kind of things as long as he did it the way that we had decided his world was going to be. We were in charge of the hamster's world. We really were. God's in charge of this world. Amen. If you'll follow God's plan, you can have a great life. Amen. You can be blessed beyond measure. Amen. You want to get out of your, I don't really like calling it a cage, but you want to get out in the environment that God's made for you? You want to get out of the ways of righteousness and the ways of obedience to the word of God? You can do that too, but then you're going to be struggling. You're going to be outside of God's plan for you. Amen. Notice what Jesus said. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, do not worry. Everybody say, I don't worry. Now, why I say I don't worry, Pastor, because you don't have anything to worry about? No. We don't worry because Jesus said don't worry. So at the point Jesus says don't worry, we stop worrying. It don't matter what you got coming or going. We're not going to worry. What is worry? It is an obsession on something bad that you focus and concentrate on. And as a child of God, we don't focus and concentrate on something bad. We focus and concentrate on something good, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as long as we keep our mind and heart on him, we do not worry. Amen. Amen. So therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. See, we just talked about all this stuff. Remember those birds? They don't sow. They don't even reap. They still eat and they still drink, don't they? That's what God said. That's what God said. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or about your body, what you'll put on. That has to do with clothing, doesn't it? Don't worry about what you put on. Just make sure you do put something on. Somebody say amen. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Life more than all of that, Jesus said. It's a lot more than all that. It should not be our total life for us just to put food on our table and clothes on our back in a place to live. That, that should not be what we live our life 100% to do. We certainly live our life 100% to please and, and honor God. And in pleasing and honoring God, doing what God's called us to do, part of that is we do put food on our table, we do put clothes on our back, we do have shelter a place to live, certainly. But that should not become the 100% focus of our life. If it does, then all you're going to want is more stuff and more things. And when you get the stuff and the things that you wanted, what you will find is that you will want better stuff, more stuff, and greater stuff, more things, better stuff, and greater things. And you will never let it in in your life. So don't make things your focus. Jesus said, that, that's, that's, you know, you don't have to just be worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to put on, where you're going to live, or, or your body, or those kind of, that, don't be worried. Don't be. Verse 26. And he gives us examples, which I've alluded to. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Somebody tell me. Yes or no? We are. More valuable than they are. No disrespect to the bird. Verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubic to his stature? It didn't say sideways. It said up. (laughs) Who can by worrying increase your height? Don't do it. You can be the world's greatest warrior as my mother was before she got saved. The one thing that I knew, she really had the goods and really had Jesus in her life. The one thing for sure was she stopped worrying because she worried all of her life until she met Jesus. And when she met Jesus, her worries went away. Her trust in God increased. Her worries went away. And, and, and so notice here, all these things, the birds, look at them, verse 26, verse 27, which you can worry and can you even add a cubit of statue. Verse 20, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They don't toil or spin. He just got through talking about those birds who eat and don't, you know, they don't sow and reap, but they eat. Lilies of the field, you talking about clothing? They, they don't toil or spin. They don't create cloth to clothe themselves with. Verse twenty. and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of those. I mean, the richest man that had ever lived, we know anything about. The most wise man who ever lived, we know anything about, Solomon. And yet scripture tells us that he couldn't even get himself up to the level of the lilies of the field in beauty and being clothed. In other words, God can do a whole lot better than you and me do. We can get caught up in this trap. and And I know that we have to have our responsibilities and we have to work and all these things. But you can work your fingers to the bone and all kind of stuff and never get yourself up to the level that God can take you to if you'll just allow him to do it in your life. Notice what he said. Verse 30, now if, putting this together, now if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Somebody answer. Yes. Oh, ye of little faith. The grass is just here just for a while, at least a season, and we cut it, whack it off every week or whatever we have to do. And yet it keeps coming back. You're going to be here a lot longer than that grass is, right? Somebody said, I'm going to let mine grow and find out. No, you're going to be here a lot longer than what that grass is going to be. Verse 31. Therefore, or based on all this, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. The world is going nuts about stuff, and it's caused greed in their life, and they're after everything they can get, step on you to get it, push you back to get yours, push you away, don't care if you get it. It's just a greedy world we live in, and that's what he's talking about. All these things the Gentiles seek, the worldly people seek these things. They make it their priorities in life. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. God knows. God knows. He knows you need something to eat. He knows you need clothes to wear. He knows you need a home, way to come and go. All the things, your daily needs. Jesus said, pray this. God, give us this day our daily bread. What's your daily bread? Whatever it takes for you to live that day. That's your daily bread. God knows you have need stuff. Don't, don't think about God, just don't understand. You don't understand, God. I would you know, I'd come to church, but I, I really can. I've got I to do this, I've got to do that, because I'm working to make this happen, I'm working to make that happen. Or, or, or Lord God, I'd pray, or I'd, I, I would read the Word of God, but I don't have time. I've I got to do this. I've got to do more time, more work. You know, Don't be concerned about all of that. Do an honest day's work. Support yourself, as the Bible teaches us. We ought to. Be responsible and all that thing. But don't make that your world. Your world is not what your hands can produce. Your world is what God's hands have produced. And as long as you go after what your own hands can produce, that's all you'll ever have is what you can do. But if you will stop going after what your own hands produce and start going after what God has already produced, you can have what God has said you can have. That's a whole lot better than what men you can do. Notice what he says. Therefore, don't worry. Seeing what we shall eat and what we'll drink and what we'll wear. Verse 32, after all these things the Gentiles seek. But your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. But, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and things are added to you. If the bird stays in its place that God created it to be, the bird is well taken care of. If the beasts of the fields stay in the place that God created them they're well taken care of. If the plants and the trees and the flowers do what God has told them to do, they're well taken care of. And if you and I as human beings put God first in our life, we will also be well taken care of. Won't be a problem, won't be an issue. God will take care of us. Do we live responsibly on our earth and on our world? Of course we do. But along with all that, we don't worry, we don't fret God's going to take care of us. Somebody asked me one time, well what, what's, your, what's your prayer about about COVID? 19. Well, my COVID prayer, is Psalms 91, "No plague is going to come nigh my dwelling." that's my prayer. I said, "Well, what, what if it does? Then my prayer is from Isaiah, "No weapon formed against me is going to prosper." I said, what happens if you have to die of it, then my prayer is basically this: that the Lord's going to take me home and he's going to take care of me there." So either way, God's going to take care of me. And I thank God I'm still on base one, but he's still going to take care of me. And he's going to handle everything. He's got to do that. He's, he's a good God. I would not want to insult God by thinking that he might not take care of you or take care of me. I would not want to be offensive toward God and in, in, in begging God for something that God's already said is mine and already said that I can have. So I hope this morning that this is sort of stirs your heart in your life that you say, God's going to take care of me. Everything's going to be all right. Everybody say everything. Yeah. Going to be all right. Stand up with me this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. In Jesus' name, Father God, we give you glory, we give you praise, and we honor you. Let every be bowed every I close. If you're in the house today, you don't know Jesus or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus today, I encourage you today to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And just believe on Him, trust in Him today, and He can do a work in your heart and your life. He'll change your life, give you a life that you never dreamed you could have. Allow Him to do in your heart and life what He wants to do. So let's all pray together. Stretch your hands toward heaven, let's pray together. Everybody say, Father, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for your abundance and your great creation which you have made you are honorable you are respectable you always take care of that that you have created you have created me I have every trust I have every confidence that you will take care of me I know that with Jesus as my Lord I am free from sin And therefore, Lord Jesus, if there's anything in my heart, anything in my life that is not like you, take it away. Forgive me of all sin. Cleanse me of unrighteousness. For this day forward, forever, always, I will follow you, giving my life to you. Thank you, Lord, for the joy that is set before me. For the days of happiness, for health, for strength, and for abundance that you're filling my life with. Lord God, I will not worry. Everything is okay because you are my God and I trust in you. In the name of Jesus, shout hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, give me a great big hand clap. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. God bless you, God bless you. Good to see you today. Amen.